what your country can do for you. There's a last time I've got to be in the lead. The Giants have the Peter, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 50 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Ha! My mom and dad with their love of music from the movies. Now, we've already heard a few tunes from the big screen this year on this show, like the Mancini episode of Academy Award-winning music, but only a couple of the tunes you are about to hear earned an Oscar, and even Google hasn't heard of the orchestra leader. But get ready anyway for silver screen music from the first half of last century in volume 50, Hollywood Hits. Feel a song coming on. Written in 1935 with music by Jimmy McHugh, words by Dorothy Fields. Now, for each tune, I will be giving you a short summary of the movie, the screenwriters, directors, and the top three build stars. So, this tune was written for the movie Every Night at Eight. Three young women working in an agency have built a singing trio. They want to lease the dictaphone of their boss to make a recording of their singing, but they are caught and fired. When they are not able to pay their rent any longer, they decide to try it on an amateur contest at a radio station. Screenplay by Gene Toe and Graham Baker, based on the original story Three on a Mic, was directed by Raoul Walsh. It starred George Raft, Alice Fay, and Francis Langford. All right, why this album? 
Well, like I said, my parents were big lovers of show music, whether it be from the screen or the stage. And I definitely remember this album being out in the living room quite often, especially in the late 1960s, early 1970s. There are just some album covers you remember, and I will uh, discuss the album cover in detail a little bit later. And while I have no idea who the orchestra leader Ronnie Ogden is, there's some pretty good music on this album, even if it is produced oddly. And what I mean is they barely let one song in before they started the next song. And even the auto track separator on my digital conversion software couldn't pick up the difference where one track ended and the, the next track began. But there's a couple of my favorite melodies on this album. See if you can tell what they are. And no, it's not this next one. It's a most unusual day, pretty much my everyday anymore, was written in 1948 with music by Jimmy McHugh, words by Harold Adamson, and written for the movie A Date with Judy. Hyperactive teenager Judy Foster challenges, and is challenged by, her overly proper parents, pesky brother Randolph, and boyfriend Ogden Oogie Pringle. The screenplay was by Dorothy Cooper and Dorothy Kingsley, directed by Richard Thorpe. It starred Wallace Beery, Jane Powell, and Elizabeth Taylor. All right, let's introduce you to the album that I chose for this episode. Ronnie Ogden and His Orchestra, hits from Hollywood. 
Volume 3 for Hi-Fi Living. It's on the RCA Custom Label, RAL1003. It's for the Hi-Fi Living Series, Volume 3. I saw several albums in this collection, and I didn't recognize very many, uh, if any, of the orchestra leaders. It's a vinyl LP album format. was released in 1957. Its genre is jazz and pop. I'm going to read all of the liner notes that actually pertain to the music on the album. The rest of it is a lot of fluff for the album company. Here is music as thrilling as a Hollywood premiere, bubbling with gaiety and excitement. These perennial favorites represent some of the movie's best contributions to America's popular music. Included are four Academy Award winners. Lovely orchestral coloring gives new life to these memorable songs. The sound is pure and beautiful. The gifted musicians turn in masterful performances. You'll find variety aplenty here, especially planned to delight you again and again as you listen or dance or hum along with the orchestra. And note the special Master of Ceremonies role of the harp as it introduces each selection and bids it farewell as it closes. That's the odd production that I was telling you about. All right, let's see what Discogs.com has to say about the value of the record. Lowest came in at $1.12, highest at $14.99, and the median at $6.50. eBay had a copy for $12.22. Amazon had one for $8.29. Since when is Amazon that low? My dad's album is pretty scratchy. It definitely takes away from the softer passages, uh, so I will call it in poor condition. The album cover is actually in fair condition, except that my dad put his address label on the front cover, and there's that mystery green line with the word posted stamped above. So I'll give my dad's album a value of a half a buck. Now, this next song is from a silent movie?
there is Ramona, written in 1928, with music by Mabel Wayne and lyrics by L. Wolf Gilbert. It was created as the title song for publicity to the 1928 silent adventure film romance Ramona, based on the 1884 novel Ramona by Helen Hunt Jackson. Ramona was recorded in 1928 by Dolores Del Rio for the film. Gene Austin's 1928 version charted for 17 weeks with 8 weeks at number 1 and easily topped a million in sales. This is 1928 we're talking about, folks. The song was used again in the 1936 remake of the movie. All right? Now back to the plot of the movie. After refusing to marry her adopted brother, a half-Native American Mexican woman flees to marry a Native man. The screenplay was by Feeney Fox, based on that Helen Hunt Jackson novel, was directed by Edwin Carraway and starred Dolores Del Rio, Warner Baxter, and Roland Drew. Now, this is where I usually give a bio of the featured artist or one of the artists that is connected uh, to the album. But there is only one name associated with this album, and that's Ronnie Ogden. But since even Google doesn't know who he is, we'll just move on to one of those songs I will never avoid playing. And that, of course, 
Over the Rainbow, written in 1938, with music by Harold Arlen, words by E.Y. Yip Harburg, and written, of course, for The Wizard of Oz. Young Dorothy Gale and her dog are swept away by a tornado from their Kansas farm to the magical land of Oz and embark on a quest with three new friends to see the wizard, who can return her to her home and fulfill the other's wishes. Screenplay by Noel Langley, Florence Ryerson, and Edgar Allan Wolfe. It was directed by Victor Fleming, and George Cukor and Mervyn Leroy were uncredited. Tell you about that in a second. It starred Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, and Ray Bolger, of course, many others. Uh, However, like I said, uh, I'm getting this from IMBD, and they're only listing the top three build stars for each movie. The song Over the Rainbow won the Academy Award in 1940 for Best Music Original Song, and the movie won the Oscar for Best Original Score by Herbert Stothart. The movie was nominated but did not win Best Picture. So time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with the fact that the film had several directors over the course of its production. The first director on the film was Richard Thorpe, followed by George Cukor, who worked on the production throughout some of its planning, rehearsal, and script writing uh, phases. But he did not shoot any of the film. And when he left in November of 1938... To begin work on Gone with the Wind, the production was badly behind schedule. He was replaced by Victor Fleming, whose name remains on the credits of the final film, but he did not finish the film, including the final editing process and the filming and recording of Over the Rainbow. Fleming was called to rescue the troubled production of Gone with the Wind in February 1939. He eventually eventually collapsed from exhaustion while finishing that film. And MGM replaced him on the Oz set with King Vidor. Vidor f- filmed nearly all of the Kansas sequences of the film, including the tornado and the scenes Dorothy viewed from the window of her house as it was carried by the Twister to the Land of Oz. He was not credited for his work on the film. Victor Fleming did win the Academy Award for the 1939 Best Director, but it was for Gone with the Wind. Interesting how those two classic movies were so intertwined. All right, next up. What time did you say the duel was?
It's High Noon, Do Not Forsake Me, written in 1952, with music by Dmitry Tiomkin, words by Ned Washington, and written for the movie High Noon. A town marshal, despite the disagreements of his newlywed bride and the townspeople around him, must face a gang of deadly killers alone at high noon when the gang leader, an outlaw he sent up years ago, arrives on the noon train. Screenplay by Carl Foreman, based on the magazine story The Tin Star by John W. Cunningham. It was directed by Fred Zinneman. It starred Gary Cooper, Grace Kelly, and Thomas Mitchell. The movie won several Oscars in 1953, including Best Actor in a Leading Role for Gary Cooper, Best Film Editing, and the score was included in those winnings by taking Best Music Original Song for What You Just Heard and Best Music Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedy Picture for Dimitri Tiomkin. The movie was also nominated for Best Picture Oscar, Best Director, and Best Writing Screenplay. High Noon also grabbed four Golden Globes. Gary Cooper and Dimitri Tiomkin were Best Actor and Best Original Score again. Katie Girado won Best Supporting Actress. And Floyd Crosby won Best Cinematography in the Black and White category. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. This music does bring back memories. When my mom would have albums like this playing while she was cooking or doing other things around the house. And like I said, the album cover itself, very noticeable back then. It's a photo taken from across a busy street from a crowded movie theater entrance. Some of the 1950s cars, one of them a yellow cab or even blurred as they are in motion, past the walls of the building that are made to look like theater stage curtains. And as you look closer, you see the red velvet ropes and one monster of a 1950s TV camera. The marquee reads, Gala Hollywood premiere tonight in large red letters as all the men underneath that are wearing tuxedos. And it's obviously the 1950s because out of the couple of hundred moviegoers, only a handful are women and they're wearing mostly poodle skirts. There's lots of security and valet parking attendants as well. That photo was taken by Gene Lester. Next up, an activity my parents were able to participate in in Italy in the early 2000s.
Three Coins in the Fountain, written in 1955, with music by Jules Stein, words by Sammy Kahn, and written for the movie Three Coins in the Fountain. Three American women working in Rome, Italy, share a spacious apartment and the desire to find love and marriage, each experiencing a few bumps in their journeys to romance. Based, of course, around the myth around throwing coins into the Trevi Fountain in Rome while making a wish. Screenplay by John Patrick from a novel by John H. Secondari, directed by Jean Negulesco, starred Clifton Webb, Dorothy McGuire, and Jean Peters. The song you just heard won Best Music Original Score in the 19th 56 Academy Awards, while Milton R. Krasner won the Oscar for Best Cinematography in the Color category. The movie was also nominated for Best Picture. And I want to say thank you to one of my favorite websites, imdb.com, for all of the details about screenplay writers, directors, stars, and the movie summaries, although I added to a couple a couple of them. I refer to that website quite often, even in casual conversation, when we want to know what else a certain actor appeared in or who starred in a certain movie. And there you have selections from Ronnie Ogden and his orchestra. So thanks for tuning into Volume 50 Hollywood Hits, however you did. If you want more information about this show, please head over to SpinningMyDad'sVinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 51, Molina's Latin Touch. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>